All right. Do you have your Bibles with you this morning? All righty. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I've always loved that. I knew that before Joel was doing it. His daddy did it. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I will receive the word of God and I will never be the same again. And we need to, you got to get on the boat headed in the right direction. You know what I mean? You got to start believing. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24 if you've got your Bibles with you today. We've been taking time talking about soul care and I want you to learn how to take care of your soul. But we're going to take the day out today. I'm praying yesterday morning the Holy Spirit of God impressed me strongly. I want you to talk about the second coming of Jesus in church tomorrow. So we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus today and then he's going to be back right five minutes before I'm finished. This is your last chance right here. You better get on board. It's, it's not talked about anymore. It's not preached in churches. The nation mocks it. All of heaven groans for the second coming of Jesus. It is the big event in all of heaven right now. In heaven, it's not called the second coming. What's it called in heaven? The marriage celebration of the Lamb of God. It's the actual marriage of Jesus. Romans chapter eight says this, the actual earth groans for the second coming of Jesus. Creation groans for its creator to come back under the bondage it was put under for a while. Even the earth groans for the second coming of Jesus. Everybody that loves Jesus aches for him to come back. So I know the last sentence in the Bible. How's the Bible closed? Very last sentence. Even so come Lord Jesus. Last sentence in the Bible. If I meet a woman, I said, well, she, I find out she's a military wife. Her husband's a soldier, army ranger. And she tells me he's been on deployment. He's on a 10 month deployment. I say, how long has he been gone? She says, eight months. And I say, so he'll be back in two months. I say, I bet you're excited. And she'll say, I don't care whether he comes back or not. <laughs> There's something seriously wrong with that relationship right there. Every one of them I ever met were, at, were longing for the day he'd come back. They had a good life going, but they were longing for that man to get back. I'm living the greatest life you can live right now. I am enjoying myself. But I ache for the day Jesus comes back to this earth and makes it what he intended it to be to start with. I, I'm going to have fun today. I hope you do. This is my favorite thing to get on, son. I have, I wallered me out of place and have a blast in the Bible when we get to the second coming of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth the first time so he could come the second time. The major theme of the New Testament is not the cross. It's not, the, it's not the advent. It's not the resurrection. 270 times in the New Testament, it points to the second coming of Jesus. That is the major theme of the New Testament. It's the major theme of the Bible. Is the second coming of Jesus to set everything right. And one day, and we're going to read it, Matthew 24 is the major teaching about the second coming of Jesus. It's all through the New Testament. This is the major teaching. And uh, he is very clear here. And I want, to, I want to say this to you. It gets crazy in here. The first part is a little uh, heavy. And then, it, then the fun part comes after this. So let's, let's drink our milk and magnesia first, then we'll have our honey. Are you ready? <laughs> Verse three, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. Disciples came privately, privately by themselves saying, tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign of your second coming? And watch these words, the end of the age. How many of you know this age is coming to an end? There's an end to what's going on in the earth right now. Why did they come to Jesus and say, oh, look, there's nobody here but us right now. This, the end of the earth, the age, 
and what will it look like? How will we know when it's getting close? Do you, what do you think he'd say to them? That's none of your business. No, he said, I'll tell you. And he told them and they wrote it down and he's preserved it for us. So he is telling us. And he begins to mention about seven or eight things that you will see in the earth. I've watched them change in my lifetime. Now I know I'm old, but I've watched these things change in my lifetime. Let's look at the signs. And Jesus said to them, <clears throat> verse four, Jesus answered. He said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. What's the first thing Jesus said about his soon return? Deception. He was not talking to the Moonies, folks. He was not talking to the disco crowd. Who's he talking to here? His disciples. And Jesus said, the deception will be so strong in the earth. I need to even say to my own people, don't you be deceived. Then he said this, verse five, many will come in my name, naming Jesus saying, I am the Christ and will what? Deceive a few idiots out on the West coast. Is that what it says? Do you understand? This is not foreign religions. These are Christian ministers. So how do you know they're Christian ministers? What do you say? They'll come in my name. They'll say, I'm preaching. I'm a Jesus preacher. But what will they do? What are they going to do? They're going to deceive who? Great deception through people that name the name of Jesus. That's the first sign he mentioned. This has happened in my lifetime. I'm 64, 63 years old, soon to be 64. When I started in the ministry as a teenage boy years ago, every major Christian group in America, everyone in the land, they held to the Bible. Christian groups have left the Bible in my lifetime. We've departed from them. Ministers no longer cling to the Bible. Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and now the Methodists have departed from the Bible and started setting the Bible. This has happened in my lifetime. What did Jesus say? People will come preaching in the name of Jesus, but they will deceive people and they'll move away from the Bible. Listen to what the Bible said about this in 1 Timothy. It said, the son preach the word. Stay with my word. For in the latter days, people will not want to hear my word. They will not want to hear the truth. So they will hire for themselves preachers having itching ears who will not tell them the truth and will tell them what they want to hear. But he said, you stay with the word. Any preacher who claims to preach for Jesus and turns anything in this word upside down is a deceiver. And what did Jesus say? In the latter days, people who claim to be Christian ministers will leave the word. There are many places in the Bible that talks about that. I've seen this happen in my lifetime. And it is deception. The second thing Jesus said in uh, verse six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. People cannot get along. Can I get a witness? And this is, now this is on a national scale. And he said, you're going to hear of global conflict internationally, nations, nations against one another, wars and constant war and strife breaking out all across the globe. Of course, we've seen that. And then the Bible said this, see that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass. Now, listen, when you see the, listen to this, dear ones, this is for you. This is not for pagans. This is for you. When you see this craziness breaking out in the earth, what do you say? Don't let it bother you. Don't be troubled. This has got to happen. Matter of fact, he said in Luke 21, when he was speaking about the same thing, he said this, when you see these things begin to happen, don't let it bother you. You lift up your head and you start hollering. Lift up your head and rejoice knowing your redemption draweth nigh. So Jesus said, it's going to get tough in the earth, but do not let it bother you. You need to be celebrating when you see this stuff coming. Number three, it goes on to say this, and this is unusual. Verse seven, nation will rise against nation. Terrible translation. When you think of nation, what do you think of? United States, Mexico, Canada. That is not the word nation. It is the word 
The Greek word is ethnos. He said, ethnos will turn against ethnos. What English word do we get out of the word ethnos? Ethnicity. It's not United States, Mexico, Canada. It's racial groups. The races will turn against one another. Now, the, people talk about the racial tensions in the United States. If people say it's the number one issue today is racial justice, racial equality. The United States is the least racial troubled nation on the planet right now. That's what survey after survey tells you. You think it's bad here? Go to the Middle East. Go to Africa where the Tutus absolutely despise one another and there's racial war and ethnic cleansing. Where the Sunnis and the Shiites in the Middle East hate each other's guts. Where race, Jesus said races are going to start hating each other and turning against each other. Let me tell you why. There's somebody behind that. There is somebody behind this stuff. And he said, but one of the signs of my second coming will be when races turn against one another. Let me say this about the current racial upheaval in America. I've been pretty quiet about it, but I'm going to say this. I side with the Bible. And one of my heroes, the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was used of God mightily, but Dr. King said this, you don't use hatred to overcome hatred. You don't use violence to overcome violence. You don't use anger to overcome anger. And then he would often quote Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what's going on today is not in the steps of Dr. King. It doesn't matter whether it's black hatred, white hatred, or scotch plaid hatred, hatred is hatred. And the Bible said in the latter days, races would turn against one another. The fourth sign that Jesus gave of his second coming. He said this 2,000 years ago. Funny how it reads like today's newspaper, isn't it? All right, and then he goes on to say this. Nation will turn against nation, ethnicities. See if you've ever seen this happen. There will be famines. Watch this word, verse seven. Pestilences. How many of y'all got a pestilence? Do you know what it means? Pestilence is the Greek word loyamos, which means deadly, infectious disease. Anybody know of any deadly, infectious diseases going around lately? What did Jesus say? These infectious diseases will just flurry across the earth right before the second coming of the Son of Man. Somebody else is bringing that in the earth too. We're going to see him in a minute. And then he said there will be earthquakes. Verse four, all these, now Jesus said these things, what are they? They are the beginning of sorrows. Now you're not supposed to be sorrowful. Again, I'm sorry, this is not a good translation either. It is the Greek word birth pangs. Birth pang. Anybody here know what a birth pang is? Half of you don't. You know, birth pang, what is, Jesus said, when you see these things, that these are birth pangs. What does a birth pang tell you? It doesn't mean you're pregnant. We've known that for months, mama. I mean, you've been growing. <laughs> what is birth, birth pang doesn't mean it's here right now either. Birth pang means you better get your stuff in a bag. Birth pang means with, right, it's almost here. Uh, when my wife and I, we've had, excuse me, my wife's had three babies. I can remember the first, you know, the first one, you're always a little nervous. By the fourth or fifth one, let them eat dirt. They'll be fine. You don't care. That first one, a little nervous. And, and uh, she, was very, she was very pregnant, like 100%. I mean, she was, she was out there nine months. And uh, all of a sudden, one morning, she went, mm. Well, I, I wasn't because I was pretty. She went, uh. And it, it was the first birth pang and within about, within about 24 hours. What did Jesus say about this stuff? When you see these, these are birth pangs. This means we knew he was coming. We knew he was pregnant, but this means you better be getting your bag ready right here. Jesus said, when you see all, now listen, we've had this stuff in the earth for years. Jesus said, 
But when you see it all together, when it's in the news every day, that's the birth pang of the second coming. Now, I'm going to show you an unusual one, and we'll look back at this in verse 9, sign 5. They will deliver you up to tribulation, kill you, and you will be hated by all nations if you love Jesus. If you follow my name, you will be hated. Now, can I point something out here? Okay, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. You like Buddha, or you like you, or you don't believe in Jesus. What's the big deal? Why are you so bothered by me loving Jesus? Why could we disagree on golf swings? I don't play golf. We disagree on NASCAR drivers. We disagree on different stuff. But when I say, I follow Jesus. You ever heard of Jesus? Don't talk to me about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what is the, why are people so uptight about people that love Jesus today? People say, I'm an atheist. What are you mad about? It don't even exist, doc. <laughs> what is this new angst against people who love Jesus today? Why is the culture turning on the name of Christ today? He said it would happen. He said that there will be a, and again, you're going to see who's behind this. He said, there'll be a proliferation of people just mad about those who love Jesus. You know, I stand up and say, could I pray? No, no separation of God and life or whatever. Why are you, why are people so bothered by those that just really follow Jesus? Jesus said, this is one of the signs before the second coming. And I'm going to show you who's behind it again, many. And, uh, then he said this, verse 10. See if you've seen this, many will be offended. Again, I remind you, I'm older than dirt. When I was a boy, we lived in Andy Griffith days. We lived in Mayberry days. We could get along when I was a boy. Somebody turned in your lane, you beeped your horn, smiled at him, waved. That was Aunt Louise. Yeah, we laughed. She can't drive. We know it. <laughs> what? I never heard of road rage till I was a grown man. It didn't happen. There was never school shooting until I was a grown man. You, you can go out in public and not pee nobody off. What, what has happened in this land that everybody's looking for something to be mad about? What did Jesus say? Spirit, it, listen to me, it is a spirit of offense in the hearts of men where everybody's looking for something to be. Jesus said, be you kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another the way God's done you. Where's this? Everybody looking for somebody to hack them off. If you're looking for somebody to make you mad, it will happen before you get out of this room today. I promise you that. <laughs> Offended, betray one another. Watch this. People will start hating one another. What has happened in our land? What is, what is the hatred and the rage that's in this nation today? And we mask it with causes. But I see behind the cause, Doc. It's not your little cause. It is a heart full of anger and hatred. You're looking for a cause to hide behind. But the Bible said hatred, of course, when people are hateful, they get offended easy. And they can't get along. What's, what's the Bible? Put that verse in one word. People just cannot get along. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, Know this, that in the latter days, right before I come back, difficult times will come because people cannot get along with one another because they will be so self-centered and greedy. They'll love money and they'll want to have their way all the time. Now you watch this. See if you hadn't seen, seen this. <clears throat> verse, sign number seven, verse 12. Because lawlessness will abound, love will start to disappear. All right, the Bible said that there's a, about, that a lawlessness will abound. The Bible talks in numerous places about a spirit of lawlessness. And in 2 Thessalonians, when it talks about the evil one, it calls him the lawless one. You know what lawlessness means? Um, lawlessness is an issue of the heart. 
It's not an issue of justice. It's not an issue of what somebody did. Lawlessness says this, and nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I feel like. And a spirit of lawlessness will cover the earth. And let me tell you how it's going to manifest. I'm, going to, I'm fixing to say something. You're going to say, you, now you've lost your mind now. I'm, well, I'm going to say something that people are going to start doing. You'll say, that's crazy. But you watch see if this doesn't happen. There's going to come a day when the spirit of lawlessness covers the earth and people are, are going to actually start wanting to defund the police. No. I, I told you to think I was crazy. You watch and see if, but I say that's because of the abuse. No, it's not. Abuse is wrong. And a police officer that does wrong needs to be prosecuted without mercy. Issue settled. The defund the police is not about police officers that made a mistake. It is the spirit of lawlessness that says we want law out of the way so we can do what we want to do. And I rule. There's no rule of law for me. It's in the heart of man. It is a spirit of lawlessness and it comes from what the Bible calls the lawless one. This is not only in our inner cities. This is in our school classrooms today. Just a few weeks. I hope this don't offend you. If it does, listen, this is a violent book and we need to quit living in Candyland because that's a violent world out there. Just a few weeks ago in this city right here, a student didn't like what the teacher said, so he told the teacher, you go F yourself. That's in a schoolroom in this city right here. The teacher was kind, told the principal. The principal said, you just have to learn to live with these things. Deal with it. All right. Again, I was born before Mr. Ford invented the Edsel. When I was in school, if I had told the teacher to F herself, do you think the principal would have told her to deal with me? Young man, all right, if you're in, if you're in social services, cover years. If you're in child protective custody, don't listen to what I'm fixing to say. Get in here, boy. Boy, that's what he called me. Put your hands on my desk. And he didn't mean like this either. Put your hands on my desk. And he took something that long and he hit me three times with it. And I think I could tell he hadn't spanked anybody in a long time. <laughs> Buddy, he had saved it up. I did, what I did would not even be an offense today. He lit me up. Now, let me make an announcement. Let me make an announcement. I've had a good life. I've contributed to society and I'm not in counseling. And yes, I got spanked regular. Sorry. Let me tell you something. The great generation, the greatest generation this nation's ever known that delivered us and saved the world for democracy in World War II, they were raised with their mamas tearing their butts up with a hickory switch and they had to go get the switch. Lazy mama, go get me a switch. I'm not done yet. Then he put me in the car. Oh, you didn't call your mom on your cell phone and tell her to bring Mr. Lawyer. He put me in his car, Valiant Station Wagon, drove me to my house. My mama came out the door and he said, Ms. Biggers, we had a problem with your son today in school. She contained it while he was there. And she said, hang on, Mr. Thomas. She went in the house, came back out with a big box of Amway SA8 washing powders, said, give these Mrs. Thomas for me. And he drove off and I watched him drive down that driveway and I thought, dear God, don't leave me with her. <laughs> Won't no wait till your daddy gets home. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't get into all that. In the latter days, lawlessness against all authority, teachers, parents, 
managers. Don't speak ugly about your manager. That man is in God-ordained authority. Police officers, military, a spirit of lawlessness would cover the earth. All right, now watch what the Bible said in that verse. Because lawlessness will be around us, people will pull their wings in and stop loving. The response to lawlessness is, well, I ain't messing with people no more. You can't do that. If you're a follower of Christ, love needs to be growing in these days, not decreasing, as we see the second coming of Jesus. But what do you see in a day? There was, we never locked our doors. When somebody said, where's the car keys? You thought, well, you idiot in the car. Where do you think it'd be? <laughs> I'm sorry. This has happened in the last few years, my lifetime. But that spirit of lawlessness and love will be drawn back in. The compassion of hearts for people will start disappearing in the earth. We see that around us. Next sign. <clears throat> verse 13. He who endures to the end will be saved. What's that verse tell me? It could get a little rough before Jesus gets back. But let me tell you something about this difficult time coming ahead. Before Jesus comes back, I got the trump card, Doc. I got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me and his joy and his strength and his peace and his grace is greater than anything they can manufacture out there. As I like to say to my mortal enemy when he starts screwing with me once in a while, oh yeah, my daddy can whoop your daddy any day. Deal with it, Doc. I'm, that, that was a Southern Alamance version of greater is he that's in me. You understand that. <laughs> One more sign, verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the end of the nations. Dear ones, Jesus cannot come back till every corner of this earth has heard about Jesus. One of the signs is the gospel will cover the earth. When I was a young man, it had not happened. It was not possible. Today, every corner of this globe is saturated with the gospel. What's the only thing that could have made this possible? Not Bibles, media. The internet made that possible. I mean, solar Bible, you don't have to have electricity. Hold a solar Bible up to the sun anywhere on this planet and the gospel will be preached to you through that solar Bible. Jesus has sent the gospel around the world. He promised every tribe, every tongue would hear the truth about Jesus. One of my atheist uh, agnostic friends, we love to discuss stuff. One of their arguments is, what about the native in darkest Africa who's never heard the gospel? What will he do? Will he be held accountable? Well, the answer is in John chapter one where the Bible said this, Jesus Christ is the true light who gives light to every man who comes into the world. Every human being somewhere on life's journey, you're going to be confronted with Jesus. Jesus is going to plant himself on your road somewhere. Some of us get a whole lot more than others, but not one human being will ever be born that they don't have a chance to make a decision about Jesus somewhere. I, let me tell you something. The guy who created this planet, he's capable of reaching everybody on it. And he said the gospel has to go around the globe first. Why does the gospel have to go around the globe first? because it is the only hope of eternal salvation, the name of Jesus. What I just said, standing right there, will get you kicked off YouTube. We'll probably be off again. We got kicked off about three months ago. We'll probably be off after today again. What I just said right there offends Christian ministers. The, uh, that'll get you kicked off Elon's, Elon's campus real quick right there. The minister, campus minister at Elon University recently wrote in the Burlington Fish Wrap, wrote these words. I am so angry at these arrogant preachers who think that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's the Christian minister at Elon University. I told you many will come in my name. 
Let me tell you something. You say, why do you have to be so argumentative? I'm not argumentative. It'd be real easy, especially at this age, to just say, hey, what you believe, you believe. What I believe, I believe. Right be wrong for you, right for me. Let me tell you something. The reason I do what I do and you should do what you do is, Jesus Christ said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody will come to the Father except by me. Now you listen to me. Either Jesus is the only path to eternal life or he's a liar. You, you can't throw Jesus in with the mix. He, there is one God, by the way, this is in the Bible. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only bridge to eternity. Now, let me tell you why I am so <clears throat> on that. I don't know what it means, but that's what I am. <laughs> let me tell you why I'm like this. It's not about winning an argument. I don't care. I don't, I'm not an argumentative person. I couldn't care less. Because eternal souls are in the balance. People's lives are in the balance. And when he comes back, you can't say, oops. You don't get a second chance. You got to hear the truth now and make a decision now. And the Bible said this, contend. Contend for the faith. I'm telling you, that cross tells me this. You don't come down on a cross not plan on coming back for what you died for. Amen. Jesus is coming back to this earth. And that cross also tells me he's not one of many ways. A very popular phrase in, in Christian ministry today is that many streams moving to one place, one stream. It's that cross back there. Jesus is the way and the truth. And that's why the Bible said, watch these words, verse 14. This gospel preached to the whole world. What's the last words? Then the end will come. You ever watch a movie? You ever get to the end of the movie and you see the words, the end? I got, I'm going to make an announcement about this planet, everything going on it. The end. The end is coming to this planet. You say, well, you sound excited. Oh, it ain't the end, period. It's just the end of this thing. I was reading a scientific report about two weeks ago and it talked about the condition of the earth 1,500 years from now if we don't start doing certain things. I know the condition of this earth 1,500 years from now. Global warming. Real warm. Real warm. All righty. Watch this with me. I, I want to see if you're, right, we're going to test you and see how smart you are. Can we do a test this morning? I wouldn't let you in my church if you weren't smart. smart you'll pass it. Watch this. Verse 32. Let's get to the fun part. Learn this parable. What's a parable? It's a word picture. Jesus said, I'm going to paint you a picture that's got a truth in it. Learn this parable from the fig tree or any tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you should know summer is near. How many of you are that smart? I'm ever smart enough to look at, a, at a, a barren tree. They've been dead barren for winter. This is the season of winter. And all of a sudden you look at a tree and a little green fleck, little leaf starts out right there. How many of you can see that and you've got enough sense to know summer's coming? Y'all that smart? You passed the test. Jesus said, learn from this parable. Well, what's the parable of it? It's not about trees. Verse 33, so you also, when you see all these things, you should know something. Jesus is at the door. Jesus said, if you've got enough sense to look at a little shoot coming out on a limb and you know summer's near, you should have enough sense to read this book and know Jesus is fixing to come through that door. Boys, well, put my picture up there if you would. Well, not my picture, the one I ask you to put up there. Okay, but there we go. Look at there. I'm praying yesterday morning and I looked out my office window. My office is behind the house there near the woods. 
And that was right in front of my window right there. And I just looked at it about two feet outside the window. So I took a picture of it. And uh, I see the little buds on that limb right there. I let me tell you something. I didn't go to NC State. I didn't study agriculture. But I know I've been around long enough to know this. Summer must be coming. If you can look out that window and you see that bud right there and know, man, spring's here. Summer must be coming. You got enough sense to read this book and know Jesus is fixing to come through the door. Okay, boys, y'all can take it down. Thank you. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is in a language you can understand if we just read the thing? All right, now let me make an announcement here. Dear ones, people think this stuff is crazy. There's only one thing not crazy on this planet. Here it is, verse 35. Well, let's read verse 34. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things happen. Jesus said humanity will not leave till everything you've read comes to pass. And then here's the big one, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. What's going to happen to this earth? This earth's going to pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Watch this. My words will never pass away. This book, when even the planet is gone, this book will still be truth. These truths will still be here. This book has been attacked through the ages. It's been attacked by intellectuals. It's been attacked by infidels. It's been attacked by ministers. But you notice what I've noticed? They're all in their grave now. This book is still being read. Number one all-time best-selling book in world history. Last year, it was the number one best-selling book. It always will be. This is the truth of the ages. And when all the naysayers are quiet and all the mockers are done in their graves, this book will still be truth. Hit your life to this book. Don't put it anywhere else. Stick with the book, Doc, as we go through these days. Here's the fun part. All right, now let me, let me share something with you here. I'm fixing to show you why Jesus is not coming back in 1988. You'll get it. Verse 36, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, only the Father. You can't set the date. Now you can know when he's at the door, you just read that, but you can't set the date. I've been listening to people set the date all my life. When I was a teenager, the uh, True Lights, a Christian group in my town, Charlotte, they announced the coming of Jesus. They quit their jobs. They got their kids out of school and they sat in the church that specific night and waited. Guess what? The morning came. What do you say right there? Don't fall for this stuff. I'm a young man just in ministry and a book came out in 1987 called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. Is anybody old enough to remember that? Anybody? Gosh, I'm old. Okay, one more. My age. Millions of copies flooded the nation. Everybody was hooting that book. It was written by uh, an aeronautical scientist and he'd calculated why Jesus was coming back in 1988. I read it and I said, y'all are nuts. I mean, I'm just a young preacher. Nobody, they, they said, well, you just don't have the faith. I said, no, I got a Bible. I got a Bible, doc. Listen to me. Let me help you. I love y'all. Modern prophecies that are foolishness will never trump this book. Stick with the book, doc. I believe in prophecy, but word first. Guess what cured that 1988 thing? 1989. 88 came and went and a lot of Christians look like idiots as they should have. Don't go against this book. No man knows the hour. You can't set the date. He didn't say worry about the date. He said, you get ready. He said, just know that it's near the door. I just thought I'd throw that in there in case you're still reading that book. <laughs> well, you talk about pertinent. Watch this right here. Verse 37. As the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the son of man. What does that tell me right there? 
If you want to know what it's going to be like right before Jesus comes back to earth, read Genesis chapter 6, which was the scriptures of Noah, the days of Noah. He said it's going to be just like it was when Noah was on the earth. What's the main thing? Let's read the next verse. Verse 38, as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, having parties, marrying, planning their marriages until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the son of man. Life will be rolling on wide open on the planet. Everybody be doing their thing, planning their weddings, having barbecues. People will not know Jesus is here. That's what Jesus says. Now I'm going to ask you a question. And I want to help you with something perhaps you've never seen about this before. Why is it going to get so rough in the earth before Jesus comes back? It seemed to me like, as the amillennialists believe, that, that uh, uh, does anybody remember Mama Cass? You know, the mamas and the papas and that crowd, the folk crowd. And, you know, with, and when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter lines with Mars, peace will guide the planet, love will steer the stars. And they preached a message through the 70s and 80s folk that we're gonna, the planet's going to get better and better and better. They missed it. Why don't, why don't the planet get better and better before Jesus comes back? Seems like that makes sense, wouldn't it? Why is it going to get worse and worse? Why is this garbage? Do you think God's behind this? Do you think God's behind the hatred, the lawlessness, the violence? He's not behind this. Who is? I'm going to show you something you perhaps you've never seen before. Why don't you turn me to the book of, somebody say it, Revelation. It's where you get a revelation about what's going on in the earth. Now, the book of Revelation is where God Almighty says, come here, son, come here. Let me pull back the corner and show you what's behind all this stuff going on. That's why it's called Revelation. You get a revelation. I don't know if you think about the book of Revelation. It's 22 chapters. It's in, it's in historical order. It begins with this period and it culminates with the eternity. But in that historical order, it's, there's, a, there's a break. And it's like for one chapter, God Almighty just says, time out. Time out. Let me show y'all something. And chapter 12 is that unusual chapter in Revelation that is not in the order of things that are happening. The seals, the horns, and all the judgments. Chapter 12 is different. There's no chapter in the Bible like it because Revelation 12 covers from before time began till after time is over and everything in between. Five major players in world history. God Almighty is one of them. The, the male child born to the woman. Now you gotta remember the book of Revelation is in symbols. It's signified or in symbols. The male child born to the woman who is Jesus Christ. You have nation Israel. Doing nation Israel is the focal point of world history. World history will culminate in Israel. Matter of fact, it will culminate. I can tell you the exact place. I can go there right now. World history will culminate at a place called the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I can take you to the place where Jesus' foot will touch the earth when he comes back. It's on that Temple Mount. A little problem right now. There's a dome in the way right now. He'll handle that. But it'll culminate right there in Israel. Israel's the major player. The body of Christ is in Revelation 12, and there's one other major player in world history in there, and I want you to look at him. Let me, say, let me tell you something about this guy. He is absolutely unknown to the planet. You never hear of him on the newscast. They never talk about him in Congress. He is the major player in world history right now. You, never hear, you would never hear of him in an academic setting. He is the major worker in the earth right now and nobody ever talks about him. Now remember, Revelation's where God says, come here, come here. Let me show you what's really going on behind the scenes. Read with me in Revelation chapter 12. Look with me in verse, uh, 
Revelation 12, let's put in for time's sake, verse nine. So the great dragon was cast out. I maybe think that's puff. I'm not talking about puff here. Why would you call him a dragon? All right, look what else it says about it. The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. So you've called him a dragon and a serpent. You might remember a serpent anywhere in the Bible. Yeah, sort of the early part there. We got in a little trouble with him. Called devil and Satan. Four names. Dragon, serpent, devil, Satan. You said, don't start that junk with me. See there? See there? He is the major player in world history. You're fixing to see it. There's revelation. He is the major player in world history. He is the one working in the earth today. If you don't believe that junk, then you don't believe the Bible. What does the Bible say in 1 John 5? Just, just mark this. Look it up sometime if you don't believe me. 1 John 5, 19. The evil one, the whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. How big is that? Who's running this world right now? We sing a song. He rules the world. Talking about Jesus. Jesus does not rule this world. He created it. He's going to rule it one day. He rules this life right here. He don't rule this world. Jesus made it very clear who runs this world and it's not him. If Jesus ruled this world, do you think it'd look like it does right now? You should be able to tell who's running this world by the way it's looking. All right, this great dragon, serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Now you watch these words from the Bible. Who deceives what? Who deceives a few idiots on the West Coast? He deceived the whole world. Number one, do you not recognize that he's running everything? If you don't believe he's running the earth, then you're deceived. He has the uncanny ability to operate and not be known in people's lives. That's his deception. Okay, so the Bible talks about him who deceives the whole world through this. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. How many of you knew the dragon had angels? What do we call his angels? Evil spirits, evil powers. Sometimes we call them demons. Tell me where they is right now. What does that verse say? They among us. What do you think it means cast out into the earth? All right, now I want you to watch. I want you to, I'm going to give you the bottom line to why this is going on in the earth right now. Watch this verse right here, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. You ain't got to put up with them no more. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. That's me and you and of the sea. Why should I have woe on me and the earth? Read this. The devil has come down to you having great wrath. Watch this. He knows his time is short. I'm going to cut to the chase. He is mad as hell because he knows he's fixing to go there. And he's in this earth right now. He knows when the time's coming. And he knows it's close. And the Bible said right before he comes back, he is going to cut up and tear up like he's never done before because he knows this is my last hoorah right here. This is a great revelation. People say, well, why is the earth going so crazy today? There's the answer right there. The evil one who causes all this havoc in there. The one who turns races against races. The one who divides marriages. The one who puts lawlessness and anger in the hearts of people. He going to cut up like never before, right before he is judged for all of eternity. He's mad as hell. And he's going to bring hell on the earth right before he comes back. This is the revelation as to why things are going like they are in the earth right now. And it's insanity. But let, let me make an announcement. He knows. What does the Bible say? He knows. Don't, don't you understood? He knew when Jesus was coming the first time. Why do you think he had every baby in the region killed? He knew that God's doing something. 
He didn't know exactly who it was, but he knew God's fixing to do something. And he said, a king is fixing to be born that will dethrone me. I'll kill every baby there is. Since I don't know which one, I'll just kill them all. But guess what? He missed the main one. What does that tell me and you? Let him cut up all he wants to. God knows how to take care of those who belong to him. He knows he's coming back the second time. What does the Bible say? Now he's particularly upset. And you see if you don't see this in the news. And you watch for this to come. Revelation 12 tells us he is particularly angry at two groups of people. I happen to be in both of them. Read this with me. The last verse. Revelation 12, 17. The dragon was enraged. What is the condition of Satan right now? He is furious. He's angry. He's enraged. With the woman, that's Israel. He is why there's so much hatred of Israel in the earth right now. Don't you understand it? Israel, they reject him today, but they'll believe in him then. This is not their day. This is my day. This is our day before the second coming of Jesus. The trumpet will sound and we who believe in him will be caught up in the air with saints before us to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Guess what the word caught up means? We out of here, Scotty. He going to beam me up. But the Bible is very clear. Only those who know him personally. Others will be what? One will be taken. The other will be left behind. All right, guess who else is going out of this earth when the saints go out? Second Thessalonians chapter one says this, he who now restrains, if this is what the earth looks like with the spirit of God in it, holding things back, what's it gonna be like when he's taken out? He who now restrains will be taken out of the way. I've heard people say hell on earth. Oh, not yet. You wait till the spirit of God taken out of this earth and see what happens. There'll be no restraint. So I wanna, I wanna say this to you. If you're defiant and you don't believe in Jesus, I would encourage you, if you ever have to fly, before you get on that airplane, you need to ask, is the pilot saved? And if they say, yeah, he's a Christian, don't get on that plane. They say, I, th I thought you'd want to get on that one. No, 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 no. Don't get on a plane. With, make sure your pilot is a rebel. Make sure he don't know, or either you better learn how to fly to sucker. Now I've heard people, some people are nervous about flying. I was ladies nervous about flying. A friend said, you don't have to worry if it's not your time. It's, don't worry about it. I said, what if it's the pilot's time? <laughs> you do not want to save pilot flying your plane at the rapture. Ain't going to be nobody flying that thing. You said, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. Am I not reading it straight out of the scriptures to you? The same Jesus who wrote the rest of it wrote this too. One of the great tragedies is, and there was a great old song about this at one time, men who are defiant are going to be sitting at the supper table and in a moment their wife and their babies are going to be gone and they'll never see them again. This ain't something we play games with. This is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming back to earth and the Bible said he will catch, this, catch them up. Let me read one more verse. And Jesus tells all this. How did all this start? How did all this start? He's sitting on the temple mount. He's at the Mount of Olives and his disciples walk up and said, this earth's coming to an end, isn't it? And he said, it is. And they said, would you tell us what it's going to look like right before that? And this is everything he told them. This is 2,000 years old. I read everything I just said in the newspaper this morning, if I'd have read it. Everything I told you is happening right now. It's happening in my lifetime. And let me make an announcement. It's not, oh no, it's even so, Lord Jesus, come. Come. It, okay, now you haven't been trained in the Bible. You don't know. You say, I haven't had a chance to do much yet. 
Do you really think the new one will be a downgrade? <laughs> All right. One more verse. Verse 44. Here's the word of God. Therefore, you also be ready. The son of man is coming. It's, it's not what will happen in the government. It's not what will happen in the military. It's not what will happen in the schools. What did Jesus say? The only thing you need to worry about is be ready. Are you ready? What's the only thing? I don't need to be concerned with the signs of the times or I don't need to be reading books about the days when he's coming. I just need to do one thing. What's that? Get ready. He said, well, could, could you? I was talking to a fellow one time. He was a truck driver and he was a pagan. Pretty nice guy, but he was a pagan. And uh, I said, you, I was talking about Jesus. He said, I don't want to follow Jesus. He said, man, I'm young. I got a whole life to live. I said, when are you going to do it? He said, when I get old. I said, when I get old for a dial wheel. I said, guarantee me you won't die tonight. I'll never mention it again. That's not how it works, doc. You don't like get to raise hell for 60 years and then hope you can get in on the, on the last caboose. Let me throw this in for free. If there were no eternity, I would follow Jesus in this life anyway because I'm having more fun than I was when my head was in a toilet a lot of nights. He's good in both lives. All right. Here's the number one sign. Are you ready? Let's go back and read it. <clears throat> verse 37, as it was, here's the verse, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the coming of the son of man. There it is. Anybody remember a guy named Noah? Yep. Remember anything unusual about him? Boat. Y'all remember the boat? Does anybody remember Noah's occupation? Preacher. He was a preacher. The Bible said Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached 120 years. Had seven converts. That was his wife, three kids, and three in-laws. I think, and he gave, I think after 120 years, I'd give up if I hadn't found a more than that. He was a preacher of righteousness. And the Bible said this in Hebrews 11. One day God came to him being warned by God of things to come not yet seen. He moved and he prepared an ark that saved his family as it was in the days of Noah. All right, Noah's a uh, preacher. And finally, he has a meeting with God. God shows him something that nobody else can see, not yet seen. And so Noah goes out and he, this, this boat that he built was huge, bigger than this building, huge. And he did not have union labor. He had three reluctant son-in-laws. Remember? They built it out of gopher wood and then he covered it with pitch inside and out to, so it'd float. And do you remember as he was building this ark, so was it then, so is it now. Noah just starts building this thing in his backyard. He probably lived at the end of the cul-de-sac and he had room back there to build this ark. He's building this ark and um, you can't build that in your basement. You can't hide it. He's building it outdoors. Well, what are the neighbors thinking? What is he doing? What, Noah, what, what are you doing, son? He said, I'm building an ark. Said, What's it for? He said, it's going to save my family. From what? The flood. What flood? He said, the earth is going to be flooded and everybody's going to die. Is that right? How's the earth going to be flooded, Noah? It's going to rain. I don't know if you knew this or not. The Bible said it had not rained in the earth till that day. It never rained on the earth. He said, well, how did the crops grow? The Bible said mist came up in the evenings from the bottom and watered it from the bottom up. Like we're starting to do with plants now. Places like Metrolina Greenhouse. Never rained. He said, rain. They said, well, it's rain. He said, never mind. So Noah's building this ark and they thought he was an absolute fool. They thought he'd lost his mind. 
They had barbecues, you know, they cook out. Then they'd sit in their lounge chairs and drink beer and watch him. And talk about him. Yay or nay. What would you do if your neighbor did something like this? Did you ever see the film Evan Almighty? You got to remember, Noah was an absolute idiot to his culture. Listen to me, before the flood came. But Noah had heard from God and he believed him and he built an ark for the saving of his house. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he was the joke of the town. Everybody laughed at him. He was the joke of the community. And then all of a sudden the Bible said a day came and they began to notice. He said, what are you doing? He said, the day's come. He said, tomorrow. He said, God's told me get all these. He said, what what is the animals doing here? No, he said, I'm going to put two of every unclean and seven of every clean animal. I'm going to put them all in that boat. They're going to be saved. And they said, when's this going to He said, tomorrow. I'll guarantee you they came to watch. Had Bud Light. They sat in their lounge chairs. Probably that music, country music, no doubt. And they're watching Noah. Loading them animals in was a task. I, you know, I can't even get my donkeys in the barn I think maybe the Holy Spirit helped him. I don't know. So they load him up and people are laughing and they all got in the boat and they're all going to watch and laugh at this man. Something in the Bible says something very unusual happened. Noah closed the door. No, no. God closed the door and sealed it. You know, they're sitting up there drinking Bud Light and they're watching this and all of a sudden that big gate that was let down to let everybody in, all of a sudden it closes by itself. So you don't, you, God's invisible, but he closed that gate. They didn't see what they thought. Hmm. I don't know what that is. What's all about? So they're watching, thinking, this fool. How long are we going to do this? Y'all want to go fishing? And all of a sudden, a drop falls out of the sky. Never happened before. And then another drop. And then another drop. And they're wondering, what is this? And then it starts falling even harder. Didn't that crazy old man say something about water falling out of the sky? And then the Bible said the heavens opened flooded the earth. The water began to rise. Why does the Bible say God closed the door and sealed it? You know why? Noah was a good man. He was a tender-hearted man. Had he been in control of that door? When that water got up knee high, waist high, neck high, as he heard his neighbors banging on that door, begging him, please let us in. Noah wasn't in charge of that door. That door had already been closed. As it was in the days of Noah. What does that tell me? When you see it start to happen, you can't do nothing about it then. You have to do this beforehand. It wasn't original of me, but you've heard it. It was not raining when Noah built the ark. He prepared that for the saving of his family. Remember, everybody thought he was a fool until it happened. All right, you've got to make a decision. You believe this stuff you tell your intellectual friends, your well-educated friends, or your ignorant friends, I don't care. You tell them about this stuff, they're going to laugh at you. As it was in the days of Noah, just as they thought Noah was a fool, they're going to think you're one too. Listen to me, they're not dumb, they're blind. The only reason you believe it is because God let you believe it. The only reason you think this stuff is true is because he has opened the eyes of your heart and given you the ability to believe it. People that mock this stuff, it, we're not smart, they're idiots. They haven't been blessed like you have to believe this stuff. But if you believe this kind of stuff, you're going to be mocked. If you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you're going to be scorned in this culture by other preachers. It's not about how I'm doing now. 
It's about how I'm doing when he gets back to this planet and for eternity. Some things you got to give up so you can get the big pie. Talk to me. What's the main lesson we learn right here? What is it? When it happens, it's too late to get ready. You got to get ready before it happens. All right, we're done. Simple question. What Jesus said in that verse, you be ready. How many of you are ready for the second coming of Jesus? I don't care if you got struggles in your life. I don't care if you don't have a lot of money. I don't care if you got difficulties. The only thing you need to be concerned with in this life is when Jesus comes back, am I going with him or am I staying on this earth? Because in that moment, in one moment, everything will change and nothing that's important will be important anymore. The only thing that's going to be important is who knew Jesus and who didn't. That's it. Let me make an announcement to all my social justice warrior friends. I love you, but you are misguided. When the Titanic struck the iceberg, that was not the time to be fighting about who should be sitting where on the promenade deck. It wasn't but one thing mattered when that boat struck that iceberg and was fixing to go down. Get them in the lifeboat. Women, children, preachers first. Get them in the lifeboat. <laughs> Those who were consumed with moving the chairs around on the deck, they were wasting their time. Get them in the lifeboat. Only one thing matters and it's all said and done. Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I, I get, I'm sorry. I know it went long this morning, but I get so excited about you coming back. I'm excited about knowing you now. I hear you, I hear you in my heart. I talk to you. I love you. I read your word. Your spirit's real. This creation's beautiful if you look in the right place, but oh, to see you face to face and see that new earth in which righteousness dwells. God, I can't wait. I, I don't know when the exact day is. I do know that you're at the door. Well, just make it today. Well, Dear Lord Jesus, your word says you are patient, wanting none to perish. And the only reason you've waited this long is you want everybody to have every chance they can to make up their minds. All right, dear Jesus, go throughout this room. Open people's hearts. Let them know, yes, that is an ignorant, educated, redneck, backwards preacher, but that is my word he was speaking this morning. And you gotta make a decision. That cross was for you. My love is for you, and I'm coming back. Are you going to be with me or are you not? Go through the room, Lord Jesus. Get yours. Get your people. Friend, if you're ready to confess Jesus as your Lord and turn to him, let him save your heart and soul. I want you to right there where you're seated, pray from the heart a simple prayer. He is listening. Just pray like a child. Come humbly before Jesus. Let me help you. Something like this. Dear Jesus, you are the son of God. I believe that. I believe you came to this earth and died on a cross because you love me. I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you're coming back one day. I want to belong to you. So I come to you today humbly and I ask you to forgive all my sins. I turn my life over to you. You're my Lord from this day forward. I receive you today as my Savior, my Lord, my life, my best friend, my everything. I come to you today, dear Jesus. Have me, receive me. Thank you for your promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved come today, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking me. Show me how to live. Show me how to love. Teach me how to follow you. I believe you on this day. In the precious, precious, mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Now, if you prayed that in your minute, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Thank you. Put all those down. I give you the praise and glory, Lord Jesus. You just getting the boat loaded up. 
Thank you that you're getting people on board. You're revealing yourself to people. And I thank you that one day we will see you face to face and everything we heard and thought and wondered about will be so clear in that moment. Oh, and I'm going to close with those famous words. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Last words of your book. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Like a bride waiting on her groom. Come on. I thank you and praise you for your goodness. Precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen. Jesus is coming. I'm fired up about it.